What's up, everybody, and welcome into Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at WrestlingTWT. Don't forget the YouTube page as well, YouTube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Our show airs every Tuesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, what are you waiting for? It's on Stitcher. It's on SoundCloud. It is on Spotify. It is on Apple Podcasts and wherever you download your podcast. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. We give you wrestling content twice a week, and I hope that you're able to tell people. Jonathan Hood's Talking Wrestling, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, twice a week. Later on this week, we'll talk to Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com and get his thoughts and my thoughts about the Wednesday Night Wars, two important shows taking place between AEW and NXT. We'll get to that coming up later on in the week. But we've got a lot to cover here because it was a very, very busy week uh, in professional wrestling this past weekend. TLC emanating from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Also, Ring of Honor having their show in Baltimore. And, of course, the NWA Into the Fire, their first pay-per-view in the new incarnation of the NWA emanating from Atlanta, Georgia. So we'll try to cover all that for you right here on Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. As I mentioned, check out the podcast, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Tell people about Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Okay, let's take a look first at uh, TLC taking place from Minnesota. I thought it was a, a good pay-per-view. It wasn't a great pay-per-view. I thought it was very good. Watching it from start to finish, you can take a look at some of the early matches, like Carrillo, uh, Humberto Carrillo against Andrade. Uh, very good match to start off. It was a dark match, but I thought it was very good. I thought that New Day and the Revival uh, told a great story, and just a lot of great bumps it's what you love about the bump and feed nature of the revival. They can do a lot of different things in the ring. Dash and uh, Wilder, Dash and Dawson, those two can really do a lot of great things uh, in the ring. And to watch them, it is a throwback to wrestling's past. And they can be able to modernize what they do as um, a wrestling tag team to take on a new day. I, I really like that. I could see those guys in a traditional tag team match best of seven because i know the revival couldn't get the most out of the new day so i, I really like that um the best match on that card was alistair black against buddy murphy i i don't think there's really any question about that i just thought that those two really put on a, a terrific show they had time to wrestle and it sure both those guys are middle of the card wrestlers on the main roster but Buddy Murphy losing to Aleister Black did nothing to hurt Buddy Murphy. And it was able to put Aleister Black in a really interesting light. Uh, the thing that frustrated me about the match wasn't just the match. The match was great. The match was the best on the card. It was the announcing. And I just get so frustrated at the announcing. So Vic Joseph is working with Jerry Lawler and Samoa Joe. And... You could clearly see that Alistair Black has a busted nose. He's bleeding. And Vic Joseph is selling the jaw because if you've been watching UFC or watching boxing, there's been a lot of guys getting their jaw busted, right? That's kind of a thing. So clearly that was a storyline, a talking point to say, hey, Alistair Black's got an issue with his jaw because we've seen this in other sports and other WWE is going to mimic what we've seen in boxing MMA about jaws being 
possibly broken or sore or whatever. So Buddy Murphy does a great job on the face, the jaw of Aleister Black. But in the meantime, uh, Aleister Black gets his nose busted. And it's ignored. Vic Joseph doesn't say anything about it. Samoa Joe doesn't say anything about it. And Jerry Lawler's like, can you guys see that Aleister Black possibly has a broken nose? The blood is streaming from his nose. Um, and Samoa Joe's mentioning that Aleister Black is breathing out of his mouth. He might have he might have said that. I, but I just know that Aleister Black had a hard time breathing because his nose was busted. And Jerry Lawler's like, can you guys see that his nose is <laughs> he might be broken? And Vic Joseph's like, yes, the jaw, the, the nose. God forbid... God forbid that you can get off your storyline about the jaw enough to look at what everyone else is seeing, and that's blood on the face of Aleister Black on his and his nose. It's just something, something similar to that, something little things like that that bug me so much about the WWE. It's right in front of you, and they don't call it. I got to go back to listening to music, house music, when I'm watching the WWE. I like to listen to the broadcast because I like to hear the crowd, but the announcing is so bad. Not everybody, but just from time to time, it's just, it's just really not great. Um, just other matches that really stood out to me in TLC. King Corbin against Roman Reigns. If you have a problem with, with King Corbin, I get it. Because King Corbin is doing his job. Corbin is one of the biggest heels in the company. He wants you to boo him. I saw the clip from him from WWE backstage. And he talks about being a heel. And how he relishes that role of being a heel. Not a cool heel. Not someone that doesn't want to be um, booed. But King Corbin understands. Like, okay, I'm a heel. This is my role. And to be able to defeat Roman Reigns with all that help. With the Revival and Dolph Ziggler and all these guys coming down. It just puts more heat on King Corbin. So, Corbin does not have bad matches. He's silky in that ring. And it's not five stars, but it doesn't have to be. If you don't like King Corbin, great. Then he's a heel and he's he's winning. If you do like King Corbin, he might not like that because he's thinking, well, wait, I'm a heel. You're supposed to hate me. Um, that whole dog food thing is just old. I've talked about this on a previous show. It's just dumb. You know, a can of dog food. It's just to make Vince McMahon chuckle in the back. And it's just, to me, it's just silly. I mean, yes, Roman Reigns is the big dog. Doesn't mean you got to dump a can of dog food on his head. It's kind of, kind of silly. Let's get to Bray Wyatt against the Miz. Let's talk about this. Did you notice that the official before the match, when these two got into the ring, that the official held up the belt, the Universal Championship, and showed it to the Miz, as if it was a title match when it's not a title match. <laughs> It wasn't even a, it wasn't even a title match. It was just a, a match. It was a non-title match. And if you've been watching the Firefly Funhouse vignettes and how Bray Wyatt's trying to get in the mind of the Miz and the Miz's family, um, I mean that's that's great. But here's the thing: when he comes out, when Bray Wyatt comes down the aisle, I think people were expecting the Fiend, but it was actually Bray Wyatt in the sweater doing his Mister Rogers routine, and. Bray Wyatt was out there and he was trying to be this nice guy and he's the nice persona uh, as opposed to the Miz, uh, opposed to the um, the Fiend. And um, that wasn't a great match. And here's why it wasn't a great match. It was so WWE. Here's what I mean. If someone 
that you know of is trying to attack your family, right? You know this person is trying to attack your family. Would you not try everything possible to beat the hell out of that guy? And the Miz is just standing there knowing that Bray Wyatt was trying to play mind games with his family and just stood there. And then when he did attack Bray Wyatt, he did everything that he usually do, does in a ring, in a wrestling ring. And that is the nonsense WWE stuff. It was so soft. It was so soft. So that's what you think about your family, Miz, that if you know Bray Wyatt's trying to attack your family and try to play mind games, that you just stand there on the other side and you do the kind of same things you do on a on WWE main event. <laughs> you do the little dance and have your little, you know, have your little shimmer suit on and your sunglasses. You do the same thing. Knowing that Bray Wyatt's coming down, you do the same thing. Just, I mean, the storytelling in this company more times than I is just so shitty. I just, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't understand that. Speaking of that understanding, how about Bobby Lashley and Rusev? I said this a couple of weeks ago, and I will ask the question again. Again, hit me up on Twitter. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm right. WrestlingTWT on Twitter or email me. Uh, it is um, UTH Pods, UTH like under the hood, pods at outlook.com. Tell me I'm wrong. Bobby Lashley and Rusev, right? So Bobby Lashley against Rusev in the tables match. So why does Rusev have an, have an interview before this match in the pay-per-view talking about how he's happy, that he's no longer with his wife Lana, they're divorced. So why, why is there a tables match? If, if the divorce is taking place, then what else? Oh, you want to get back to Bobby Lashley? Even though you told Lashley in these interviews, on in these in-ring interviews, like, I'm glad that you're ha- you have her. She's, your, she's not my wife anymore. I'm happy. So why even have a match? And why is it a tables match? I just don't know where they're going with this. <laughs> There's no title on the line. It's Lana on the line. And I continue to hear from other people that the YouTube numbers went up just to take a look at this angle, this love triangle with Rusev, Bobby Lashley, and Lana. Okay, so you were doing this for YouTube clicks. Okay. All right. If this is so hot, how come this wasn't the main event at TLC? I just, I don't. I don't understand it. I, I don't like this at all. I just, I because I don't get it. So many twists and turns, things that don't don't really make sense, but but it happened. Um, the women's tag team championship match with the Kabuki Warriors taking on Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair, really good match. It wasn't the best match in the card, but a really good match. Uh, but obviously, there are some issues with this match because Kari Sane uh, was concussed. You could tell that the action was a little bit too hot and she got concussed. It could have been uh, a table or a chair or the um, the TV monitor. Something got to Kari Sane where she wasn't the same person. The WWE usually cares about their wrestlers, cares about their athletes. And for her to be struggling out there for half the match and the WWE doesn't stop the show or they don't bring a substitute in or something um, is disappointing. You could tell that there was something going on. The referees, all the referees out there couldn't pick up on it. The wrestlers are out there. And Kari Sane, just by instinct, was just trying to get through the match. But clearly she was in trouble. 
big trouble. Thank God Asuka was there to try to kind of lead this match and try to help her out, but she wasn't all there. You can see that. Once again, what the WWE is trying to tell us is that Becky Lynch is the man. That she's on the same level as John Cena. She's on the same level as Hulk Hogan. She's on the same level as Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, and some, some of the others that have been in that top spot. We've seen the commercials. We've heard the interviews. The This iteration of the WWE wants everyone to know that the face of the company is Becky Lynch. And Becky Lynch herself said this past Monday on Raw, and I think she did this, said this for effect to try to set up a match with Asuka. But she talks about how she feels feels like she's being protected by the company. There's something to that in a lot of ways because Becky Lynch, for her to be the man or to her for her to be the number one attraction in the WWE, uh, we have not seen her in a position to be the number one person. I mean, this is she's in a tag team match with Charlotte Flair. It's the great one of the best rivalries in women's wrestling history for the WWE, but yet they're in a tag team. Somehow, some way, they're able to snooker us into believing that Lynch and Flair is on the same page. They're not friends, but they're friends, and they're good enough to be able to tag together, even though Charlotte Flair wants to be the champion again. It's just, I, I just think that this feels a lot different. And let me be the first to tell you, if no one has told you, that I think Becky Lynch is... Over, but not necessarily as over as she really needs to be. It's no way that we can look at Becky Lynch and say, well, by far, she's the most marketable, the number one person in this company because she's not booked like that. She's not booked like that. Yeah, she's in the main events of a lot of these matches. Sure, absolutely. But it just does not feel like that she's in this spot. I, I don't know. It just it doesn't feel like that she is the number one person in this company. But maybe 2020 will tell a better story. So I felt bad for Kari Sane because I think that she's talented and so is Asuka. I love those two as a tag team. Um, but as we saw, the uh, Kubuki Warriors were able to win the um, and retain the tag team championships. By the way, we're going to hear more about that uh, TLC and from someone who is very experienced in TLC in just a moment. Good to see. Good to see Daniel Bryan back. You know, I should say Bryan Danielson because you see that the hair is cut and the beard is off and he looks like he did when I watched him in Ring of Honor or watched him um, overseas. It's so good to see that Daniel Bryan come back. I don't know if I would have brought him back before the end of the year. I think I want to brought him back in January because it's fresh, but they want to have something to kind of jazz up a possible rematch between um, Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt or Daniel Bryan and, <laughs> and The Fiend. Something else, by the way, about commentary. Did you notice that Michael Cole, when... Um, you saw that big mallet come in to, to play when Daniel Bryan was there. And you heard Michael Cole say, oh, my God, what is that? He never have seen that mallet before, even though he called the hell in the cell where the mallet was part of the match. Well, he was there. He was there to see the big mallet being uh, debuted in the matchup against Seth Rollins and The Fiend. But he's never seen it before. Okay. One of the founding fathers of the TLC match is Bully Ray. 
Bully Ray works with Dave LaGreca on Busted Open on Sirius XM, uh, Fight Nation. And so Bully talked a little bit about just the mindset going in when you're in TLC. Remember, like, one of the best matches ever to me in my top 10 is to watch how Team 3D and Edge and Christian and the Hardys were going at it. I mean, I'm not necessarily one for a lot of gimmick matches, but the way it was laid out the first time I saw it, even the second time I saw it, it's just one of these spectacles that we'll never see again on this type of platform. They did in the WWE. I mean, if it happens in some other place, you know, maybe I think it's still a great match, but not as great as it is when they do it at WrestleMania. I really, really appreciated the effort of those teams, those six guys coming together and be able to entertain us as wrestling fans on the original TLC match that they had. Uh, Bully talked a little bit about the mindset and what might have been going through Kerry Sane's mind because Kerry Sane was going through a very, very tough time, as you saw in that tag team match as the Kabuki Warriors took on uh, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. And that's what happens. The, the, the bar for TLC matches have been set so high. The spectacular bumps, the amazing moments. Um, anything and everything that makes TLC matches so memorable. Now you have the stress of remembering every last thing that's going on. Now you have the stress of going on last on the TLC match. Just the stress alone can get to you. Trust me, when you're on the other side of that curtain right before you're about to go out there, a lot of things go through your mind. And when you have a half an hour's worth of match to remember, and then all of a sudden within the first five minutes or so, you take a good shot to your head, you blow up. Now, people are saying, what do you mean, Bubba? Carrie Sane wasn't blown up. Well, there's two ways you can blow up in a match. You can blow up physically in your lungs. That just means you're out of shape and you don't belong in the ring. We don't see many people physically blow up anymore, right? That means they can't handle the uh, physicality yeah. in the ring. They need to put in their cardio time. So if you're blown up in the lungs, that's one thing. But what happened last night is a lot of guys and gals, especially this could have happened to Kari, is she was blown up mentally. Meaning one thing goes wrong in that match. You take one good shot to the head and then everything goes black and you forget everything. And when you're blown up mentally, it's about a gazillion times worse than being blown up physically. Because being blown up physically, you can take a break and get your wind back. Take a couple of deep breaths, boom, and get right back in the game. When you're blown up mentally, dude, you're finished. Because now the anxiety of knowing that you have just forgotten everything Oof. will cause more anxiety trying to remember everything. Wow. And that's why wrestlers need truly, if you want to be a successful pro wrestler and be able to do it at a certain level, that physicality, that level of memorization, that level of entertainment, you truly have to become a Jedi. You have to be so relaxed in your mind and so at calm and peace in your mind that you can go out there and do those things that we do. 
stressing out, blowing up mentally will destroy you in the ring. I'm not saying that happened. What I'm saying is that there is a possibility that after one of those bigger shots that Kari took, and it could have been as early as her running down the length of the apron and Charlotte giving her the big boot and her hitting hard on the side of her head, that could have been the very first one where she got her bell rung where now it's like, oh my God, I, I, I can't remember what I'm supposed to do. And that's where maybe you see other people communicating with her and things maybe not going as crisp or exactly how, how they were supposed to go. But despite the fact that she might have been out on her feet in that moment or any other moment in the match, she's still on autopilot. She's still going because she know can't quit. Mike, what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app. So- so the thoughts there from Bully Ray um, talking on Busted Open, as you just heard uh, from Sirius XM. So interesting things uh, from that. Yeah, it was uh, tough to watch, and she toughed it out, and the Kabuki Warriors come out on top. Now, what happens with Becky Lynch for the future? I'm looking forward to seeing her future for 2020. Protected by the company, not protected by the company, Ronda Rousey right around the corner? I don't know. We'll see. I was uh, really, really happy with the NWA. To the fire, indeed. A little docking. <laughs> I can't get that theme out of my head sometimes. <laughs> so as someone that was a longtime NWA fan, to see this incarnation of the NWA, I've been watching every show on YouTube. If you have not watched the NWA, you I don't know where you're going. You need to be watching the NWA. It's an hour show every Tuesday at 6.05 Eastern Time, 5.05 Central. Or you can just watch it whenever you get a chance, obviously, because we're in an on-demand society, right? Man, look, the NWA is doing a really, really good job and has, and they really did a nice lead into this pay-per-view, their first pay-per-view emanating from uh, Atlanta, Georgia at the GPB Studios. And I'm happy for them because I look at the NWA as someone who admires Nick Aldis as a great NWA champion. Not good, great NWA champion. He's got it all down from the way he dresses, from the way that he talks right to you with his interviews, a great promo guy, and a terrific wrestler as well. I'm happy for Nick Aldis. I really am because here's a guy here that was going to quit the business and do something else, and he has just been reborn, revived, 
into the NWA and has made the NWA a very, very viable product. I'm not sure where the NWA is without Nick Aldis, but him as champion works for me. And he took on James Storm and Nick Aldis wins two falls to one against James Storm. There's a lot of that's going on with Nick Aldis. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but I will tell you, you know, there's a lot of other things going on with the NWA. If you have not seen it, check it out yourself or check out um, uh, Tuesday as we record this Tuesday's um, in, uh, NWA show that's on YouTube. It's, it's really good. There's some wrestlers that you have not seen in a while. They're a part of this NWA. There's some that's wrestling a, a number of different organizations, but they I think they are really solidifying a veteran locker room in the NWA. And what resonates with me is, number one, the wrestling, two, the promos. We don't get enough promos in AEW, in NXT, in the WWE, in a lot of other places, but the NWA really wants to be able to sell you on the product, and I think that they do a really good job with that. Uh, Eli Drake against Ken Anderson was a terrific singles match at the top. Um, Thunder Rosa, good to see her. I want to see more of Thunder Rosa uh, with um, this company against Tasha Steeles. Tasha got some um, some promo time. Um, the question mark with Aaron Stevens against Trevor Murdoch. I don't know who the question mark is. I have not even made one attempt on Google to find out who he really is. I don't care because I think that he's over. I want to talk about that in just a second. Let me, I'm going to circle back to that. The Rock and Roll Express, yes, they are old, and they've been around for a long time. But to see Ricky Morton still be able to do a Canadian destroyer, for him to be able to dive out to the ring, it, it's been their patented moves now for the 60-plus old Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. But, you know, at some point... With them being champions, they're going to be able to give the rub to the to Roy, uh, Royce Isaacs, Thomas Latimer, Kingston, Homicide, Dawson, uh, Dave and Zane Dawson. Those guys, those veterans, the Rock Roll Express, will make those other wrestlers better. So yes, they're the champions now, and yeah, they move a little definitely slower than I saw them in 1985. But it's it's interesting to watch the Rock and Roll Express, and it's only going to make those other young guys better. Because once they beat the Rock and Roll Express, they'll beat somebody. Allison K, boy, what a great match to see all four of these women in the ring at the same time. Allison K, who I'm a big fan of. Hi, Bay. Uh, Marty Bell. Hey, Bay. Uh, Melina. I was wondering where Melina has been. Melina uh, is someone who I really, really enjoy watching. Um, when she was with Eminem, she was terrific. I didn't see enough of her in the ring. And to see her kind of as a veteran in that ring with Marty Bell, Allison K teaming with ODB, really good tag team match. Um, want to see um, a lot more of Marty Bell. I think she's completely underrated. Want to see more of Marty Bell. Um, uh, but yeah, that I really enjoyed that tag team for you know, for their wrestling reasons, of course, and other things. Uh, I mentioned Aldis and James Storm. So let me get to this Aaron Stevens. <sighs> so for the National Heavyweight Championship, the national title, Ricky Starks, Colt Cabana, and Aaron Stevens. Colt Cabana was a champion. I wanted him to retain. I wanted Colt Cabana to come out of their Chicago zone as a champion. So if you watch this match like I saw this match, oh, gosh. Aaron Stevens is the only thing I don't like about the NWA. I don't like it. I don't want WWE in my NWA. There's a different way to be able to portray Aaron Stevens than this WWE sports entertainer. 
it's it's not go away heat and clearly he's doing his job and the fans there in Atlanta are just like, you know, they're booing Aaron Stevens and they're cheering the question mark because the question mark and Aaron Stevens are together. But here's the thing. Let me be the first to tell you if no one's told you. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't this the Miz and Aaron Stevens gimmick? Where the or if and tell me if I'm wrong, but I saw something similar to this in the WWE. And I thought it was like Aaron Stevens was someone that was cheered because he did a lot of different things. And the Miz was in the ring. He got booed. Something like that. It was something like that. Where it was the same situation that we're seeing now. Where when Aaron Stevens talks, he gets booed. When the question mark says something or if he makes a movement, the crowd cheers. I could have swore I saw this like three or four years ago in the WWE. Tell me if I'm wrong about that. I'm just going off the top of my head thinking that I believe I've seen this before. And so that also is a problem for me because if I just saw the same gimmick, the same premise two or three years ago, four years ago in the WWE, and Aaron Stevens in this match, almost like a manager in the past, he's in a three-way matchup or in a match, and he's never in it really. He, He gives some punishment, but then he's hiding behind the Christmas tree. He's hiding behind... He's hiding behind um, a a tarp. I'm even laughing at it myself. I, okay, okay. I'm even laughing at it myself because of how ridiculous it is for Aaron Stevens to be under some kind of tarp while the match is going on between Cole Cabana and Ricky Starks. And then Aaron Stevens kind of just comes in and gets the pin and wins the championship. And it's like, ah. It's just a lot of gaga. And that's not what I want in the NWA, but he's there. So, I mean, I got another choice but to watch it. It's just, it, it just shows you that there are no perfect wrestling shows because it's, he's an acquired taste. Aaron Stevens is an acquired taste for me. And not, not for me. Uh, it's just, everything else is fine. But I just don't like him on the show because I don't want sports entertainment in my wrestling. But because I have a disdain for Aaron Stevens, he's doing his job. So that's how I look at it. Um, I thought that it was um, a terrific show. Once again, Billy Corrigan and Dave Lagana are doing what they want to do to try to help um, the wrestling fan see something different, to provide something different for the wrestling fan. So hats off to them for sure. What What a great, great time for NWA fans and those that just want an alternative in wrestling. Um couple of things that uh, that can be worked on for the next shows you know I, I think as far as format is concerned you know when you hear Stu Bennett and I got to talk about the broadcast but when you hear Stu Bennett throw a two uh, to something and they don't it's not there it, it happened a couple times where he throws it to a um, a segment or some kind of video that was supposed to be queued up it's not there the camera work was not great the camera work actually did remind me of the NWA uh, when it was under Jim Crocker Promotions. Yeah, there was a lot of missed stuff in Jim Crocker Promotions, too. Um, there was some things that were missed there. Uh, the replay, um, you will have to have a replay there immediately after something's missed. And I'm sure they're working out the bugs with that, but there's some things that were missed live that uh, you would think with as many cameras as in there they'd be able to to capture. Um, there's a lot of movement. It's not a big arena. It's in a, in a TV studio, so you'd think they'd be able to catch everything. I think that the camera that's above the fans is something that they might have to utilize because if they get the camera above the fans, that shows the announcers, that shows the whole set, that maybe that can help uh, cover some of the things that they're missing from a camera standpoint. I didn't like that. 
Because um, if I'm paying for a pay-per-view, I want to see every angle. And and so I'm sure they'll work out the bugs there. But otherwise, you know, it's it's not much to complain about because the NWA is back and they're going to have a NWA World Television Championship. And, and it's come back. I saw the championship, the original old school uh, TV title is coming back. And they're going to have, I believe, maybe a tournament right around the corner. Um, that's interesting because they have tag team champions. They've got an NWA champion. They've got a national champion. Now the TV champion. Do they have enough wrestlers and have enough contenders for all these titles? I'm surprised that this is going to be unveiled next month, this television championship, but I guess they have more wrestlers coming. (laughs) You know, if you want to be able to have enough um, wrestlers to be able to have these championship matches they know what they're doing i look forward to seeing more um as far as the broadcast i thought the broadcast was terrific Stu bennett did color on this broadcast Stu bennett did this broadcast like he's been calling matches for 15 years i was shocked he was i mean i already knew from this time in the wwe that he could be able to talk that's of course he's he's great on the mic but I was really surprised at how good Stu Bennett was, where he wasn't over-talking, spoken sound bites, everything he said had meaning. That's a hell of a hire by Lagana to be able to get him in the fold. Everything happened with Jim Cornette and Jim Cornette not being there. They need to have someone in a pinch to be able to do color. I thought that Stu Bennett was terrific. That was great color. That guy, if he stays at this, he's going to be the man as far as color analysis. And that same kind of, you know, heelish but not overly heelish um, way that he was a commentator. The sound was really good. Man, that was, I mean, Joe Galley has a real solid partner in um and Stu Bennett. I really like that a lot. And and Joe's very good, too. I like when Joe's voice goes up because when his voice goes up, you know it's something exciting happening. So I thought those two, for them to work for the first time, they sound like they've been a, a combination for 10 years. Uh, that was really, really well done. NWO is going to the WWE Hall of Fame. Ah, that's no surprise, right? Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Six are all going to be inducted in the WWE Hall of Fame when WrestleMania is in Tampa, Florida next year in April. Cool. But not Eric Bischoff. (laughs) Eric Bischoff, the leader, the one who came up with the idea for the NWO that he got from Japan, maybe, um, is not going to be inducted in the WWE Hall of Fame. That's no surprise, right? I mean, he just got fired from the company. It would be so unlike the WWE to be petty, right? 
course they just let Eric go. And sure, shouldn't he be in the WWE Hall of Fame with the NWO? Because that's Eric's creation? Yeah. Yeah. But that is not the case. I'm happy for that faction because think about WCW before the NWO. Because for sure, the Dungeon of Doom when Kevin Sullivan would not be going into the WWE Hall of Fame. That was the faction that was the hottest uh, when Hogan first came into the w, uh, to WCW. Uh, and so thank goodness there was an NWO for Hogan to turn heel, be part of. And they're still selling merch today, the NWO. So... There were some thoughts from Eric Bischoff from his podcast, and it's 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. And Eric, for the first time on the record, talked about uh, the NWO going into the Hall of Fame, but yet he's not going into the Hall of Fame. Weird, right? Some thoughts now from 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff as he was with Conrad Thompson, and the question was posed, hey, NWO is going in the Hall of Fame, but what about you? Oh, you know, I probably didn't think about it as much as everybody else does and has based on my Twitter feed. Um, my, my first reaction was, uh, well, it's about fucking time. Sure. Number one. And and then with regard to myself, I didn't really start thinking about it until, again, my Twitter's feed started blowing up. I went, well, it is a little weird, but at the same time, you know, I've said it before on this show probably more than once um i i think x-pac is one of the most underrated assets in the nwl i think x-pac brought not only a lot of his natural chemistry you know based on his relationship with scott and kevin but he just had a little bit of an edge that just fits so well with the nwo he was so different um that i'm happy to see x-pac in there and you know, Hulk called me, said, man, I don't get it, I don't get it. I said, don't worry about it, man, you got all this stuff about it. I'm not worried about it. So I, I, my only reaction was, man, I'm, I'm, it's about time, and I was proud, I guess, to see it. it it's well-deserved. You know, the MWO is not given it nearly, I mean, it's given, it's got a lot of credit. Don't, don't get me wrong, people still acknowledge it, people still buying the merchandise, I, I have to guess. Um, that the NWO merchandise is probably still some of the highest selling merchandise in the NWO catalog based on the amount of it that I see at every wrestling event that I ever go to anywhere in the world. Um, but the NWO storyline, the angle, the, all the things that came with it, and there was a lot of things that came with that storyline, probably changed the industry more than anything else in the last 30 years with the exception of possibly, you know, the beginning of WrestleMania and, you know, back when WWE, you know, eliminated the, or not eliminated, put, put the territory business kind of out of business and went national. Other than that giant pivotal move, the NWO, the storyline, and all the changes that came along with it is probably the next biggest thing in the industry. Thoughts there from Eric Bischoff from 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff on Westwood One. Interesting thoughts there. He's not worried about it. He takes a lot of stuff in stride. I actually believe Eric. He doesn't care. Uh, because I think the wounds are still fresh from him being fired by the WWE. He, sure, he'd love to be there with the NWO, but I, I think he just takes things in stride that he doesn't take it personal. At least I, at least I don't believe so. A couple of wrestling deaths before we hear something that was really, really good from Wrestling Observer. Um, somehow, it slipped through the cracks 
that Sergeant Jacques René Goulet, I remember him as Sergeant Jacques René Goulet, uh, passed away. René Goulet was someone I watched in the AWA when I was a kid in the 70s. Um, he wrestled for a long time. I'm looking at the canoe.com. They have a slam wrestling column on the canoe.com from Canada. In this world of instant information, somehow, some way, the passing of Rene Goulet escaped the news until mid-December, nearly eight months after his death on May 25th, 2019. Goulet was 86. Goulet, who was born Robert Bedard, on July 12th, 1932, in Quebec City, um, died in Indian Trail, North Carolina, survived by his wife and daughter, his sister, and his extended family. The obituary requested donations to the Alzheimer Association, likely part of the reason why he had not been in the public eye for some time. Uh, for those that watched uh, the WWE in the late 80s, early 90s, Goulet was a agent, and he would be always there for the pull-apart. He'd always be there. He'd be one of those agents with the white shirt and dark tie and trying to pull wrestlers apart. But he was a really, really good wrestler. Uh, wrestled for the WWF for a while. Again, I remember him in AWA wrestling uh, for Vern Gagne, wrestled for Dick Bruiser, I believe, as well. And just a solid wrestler for a long time. So, um, rest in peace, Rene Goulet. I hadn't heard that name in a while. Actually, I hear Tommy Dreamer was saying Goulet, and I think he might have a Rene Goulet t-shirt or something like that on Busted Open, but I hadn't heard anything about Rene Goulet for a while, and somehow, some way, he passed away in May, and we're just hearing about it now. The other one was uh, one of the Moondogs has passed away. Uh, a WWE and WWE, eh, maybe WCW wrestler, I won't say star, but definitely a WWE star. Moondog Rex passed away. Uh, this news coming across that um, Randy Colley, who was Moondog Rex, who wrestled on Nitro, I do remember that, and the WWE, uh, died. He was 69. Report states that Rex passed away doing, due to uh, failing health following a recent surgery where he once uh, was a demolition member. Had his like, He had his uh, leg removed. Uh, so, um, had some failing health. But, uh, yeah, all the best to Moondog Rex. You know, Moon, Moondogs were always a weird-looking tag team, right? Moondog Rex, Moondog Spot. Uh, and, yeah, they were they're a strange tag team. Uh, but they got over. They were kind of preliminaries or opening match guys for Vince uh, in the, say, early to mid-'80s. They were actually, I'd probably say mid to late-'80s. They were kind of an opening act, but... They were a tag team and were the tag team champions with Lou Albano. Now, I'm doing this from the top of my head, but I believe that that was the case, that they were tag team champions, um, the Moondogs. But, yeah, all the best to Randy Colley, one of the Moondogs, Moondog Rex passing away. And here is something here that I want to point out to you before we get to this piece of audio I have for you. Just a couple of news and notes here. I'm just checking before... Let me see here. Oh, I saw the rating for Monday Night Raw. It's at a two. Uh, it's the lowest rating that they've had that had, did not involve the holidays. 
I'm seeing this in front of me right now, a all-time non-holiday low of 2.05 million viewers. The previous low was November 11th, an episode that did 2.06, but that went against San Francisco against the Seattle Seahawks football game that did 15.98 million viewers. Um, but, but here's the thing. I never look at the, the, the NFL numbers, the Monday Night numbers, if the WWE had something that the WWE audience as a whole want to see, they would watch it. Three hours is a long commitment, but WWE fans, especially those that don't care about anything else but except WWE, will watch. If that's you, then I'm talking to you. I see this, I'm reading from the Wrestling Observer here, because it's always, well, you know, uh, the, the NFL. I mean, but so once Monday Night Football is over, there will be the excuse then, will the numbers jump up to three and a half million people, four million people once football's over? I mean, come on. If the WWE coming off a pay-per-view like TLC, if they had something to show, then people would be like, you know what, I'm invested in this first hour, or I'm invested in this last hour. Either way, right? I mean, I mean, I know people love the NFL, but it's not like every NFL fan from every other city is watching Monday Night Football all throughout. They will check in here and there. Um, they will check their phones, but the idea that the number for Monday Night Raw goes down because people are sitting through three, three and a half hours of football where it's not necessarily important to everybody in the country, but definitely those two teams in particular that we've talked about here um, that, that, that played this past Monday, I mean, come on, come on. I mean, if the WWE had something to watch, that number would be higher, no matter what's against it. I'm not saying they're going to beat Monday Night Football. They won't get 16 million viewers like um, the 49ers and Seahawks uh, a couple weeks ago. But my God, no, it's just dull right now. And it's a commitment to watch something that's not very entertaining. So that that's the whole thing there with that. So I saw that and I just wanted to pass it along to you that the WWE's got some work to do. The storylines have to matter. The storylines have to be able to connect. And you just can't take the audience for granted. That's the whole issue that I see with the WWE. It's not bad. The wrestlers are not bad. Some of the wrestling's not bad. But just some of the storylines that are not connected is an issue. Good to see Sin Cara back in action. Uh, he is in Lucha Libre AAA. Good to see that. Using his WWE name and mask, Sin Cara. Um, he's got a name change now. He's going to call himself something different now. Sinta de Oro. That is, so he's not Sin Cara anymore. He's Sinta de Oro. So good for him. Good for him. The original Cinta de Oro passed away in 2016. And uh, so that's what his new name is going to be. So Sin Cara, who was not utilized at all in the WWE, not not well enough. <laughs> he is um, he is now in AAA. Good, because he get away from the WWE. He can never get over there for whatever reason. And so now he's going to go someplace where he's comfortable. One other thing on Impact Wrestling tonight as we record this. Sammy Callahan and Tessa Blanchard continue to go back and forth. I have not asked you, but you can hit me up on Twitter at WrestlingTWT, or um, you can hit me up uh, through email, uthpods at outlook.com, about how you feel about women versus men in wrestling. Sammy Callahan is the Impact Wrestling Champion. And there was, once again... A very violent, very violent back and forth 
between Tessa Blanchard and Sammy Callahan, like a fist fight. How do you feel about that? As I told Tessa Blanchard, you can go back into the archives and hear my interview with her. I said that when I saw your match in that intergender match, I thought, okay, you know, I'm not into intergender wrestling, but I like what you do. And I still believe that, that Tessa Blanchard, I guess a man or a woman, is very aggressive. However, it's still difficult for me at times to watch Tessa Blanchard get hit by a man. It's hard for me because as someone that's been on my sports radio platform for a long time talking about domestic violence, I know that's not what this is. It's just hard for me to see Tessa get hurt. That's all. And I know that she's just scratching and crawling and she's doing all she can and she's on the same level as Sammy Callahan. And there's a way for this match to not look so um, overly aggressive from Callahan's standpoint on Tessa, but man, it's just... They, they they both get into a backstage brawl. There's a lot of people outside watching the fight. There's some there's some chokes and some takedowns, some pull aparts. Oof. It's just rough to watch because clearly she's handling it and she wants to be more than just a women's wrestler. Like you're not seeing this in the WWE at all. I'm sure Vince would consider that blood and guts. So he's like, you would never you'd never see that on a regular basis like we're seeing on Impact Wrestling. But man, it's just man. Uh, it's I don't know what to say, and I'm never speechless. But that's just it's tough, right? It's just for some, it's okay. Like okay, it's suspend disbelief. It's Callahan versus Tesla. Let's see what happens. Just another match, but boy, it just it's something, man. I like to see how this is gonna come about when they wrestle again for the title, and that should be the end of it. But for for Tessa though. She'll beat Callahan for the Impact Championship at some point, and she'll just keep wrestling men. Like, when I see her against Brian Cage, I'll just be honest, just you and I, right? I'm always honest. Like, when I saw her against Brian Cage, I'm like, I can't believe that she's doing all this stuff against Brian Cage. That guy's a monster. You say Sammy Callahan is a monster, too. When you have these matchups, they have to at least, you have to at least suspend some disbelief of more. I mean, when you see Tessa, and she's not a big woman, when you see her... As a, as a skilled wrestler, and she's battling and fighting these dudes, some of it is not believable to me. It's just, and I, I, I know it's not supposed to be believable, but you have to try to suspend disbelief some, and it's kind of hard sometimes when I'm watching Tessa. Uh, I look forward to seeing how this ends between Tessa and Callahan. And finally, my friends, Jim Valley. Jim Valley is a very smart wrestling fan. He's a broadcaster that has a podcast that I listen to from time to time that covers Portland wrestling because I'd like to learn a little bit more about Portland wrestling and that seems like it's Jim Valley's right up his alley. So um, I, I listen to that from time to time. Jim Valley also has his own solo show on the Wrestling Observer Live uh, platform. And... He's tongue-in-cheek at, at times, and other times it's like, wow, you know, he makes a really good point. Listen to what Jim Valley had to say about Seth Rollins and how he's a heel now, and it's all our fault. I mean, we're wrestling fans, and we turned him this way, right? Jim was really good in this um, opening monologue on Wrestling Observer Live. Check this out from Jim Valley. Hey, you know, the holidays are here. And I feel bad. I feel bad for Seth Rollins. 
He's so sad these days. He will not have a Merry Christmas. Have you seen him on the wrong? He hates us. He hates the fans. You know, the holidays are about love, family, friendship. We have crushed Seth Rollins and his holiday spirit. Did you hear his promo on wrong? He blames us for his change in attitude. We did it. We're the cause of his phony baloney, happy delivery of scripted, stupid lines. And we're to blame for all the tweets that shamelessly suck up to his boss and for the fact that di- that business, this is our fault too, it's not Seth's fault that business didn't improve when he was champion and the face of the company. That's on us. Look what we have done. We have turned Seth Rollins into a whiny, annoying, insincere heel who blames everyone else for his problems. When he used to be a baby face who was whiny, annoying, insincere, and blamed us for his problems. Have you noticed that about the booking in wrestling for, I don't know, forever now, maybe since the NWO? It's always a heel turn because of the fans. We always do it. We must be the worst people in the world. What is wrong with us? Every time a wrestler goes from good to bad, it's because of the fans. Heels used to worry about money and doing anything necessary to destroy those who stood in the way of more money and power. Now, you fans have hurt my feelings. Those damn millennials have ruined wrestling. Bailey! Bailey used to be so happy and full of hope. What happened? Not only did we break her spirit, it was so bad that she never even told us. It never really happened on television, like one fit. And then one day she just snapped without any warning whatsoever, only to say later, repeat after me, because of the fans. So listen, if you're a young, idealistic wrestler listening to me right now, take this advice. Do not get involved with us. We're only going to hurt you. You'll just be crushed like Seth and Bailey and probably every turn that happens once a month in WWE in 2020. You know, a new year is coming. It's time for resolutions. And I don't know, maybe we as fans need to make some changes ourselves. So here's what I think. Before we get excited and just jump right back in with yet another baby face that we're just going to hurt anyway. We need to take some time for us. Oh my gosh. It is so stupid. Every time they blame us. And do you ever believe them? Of course you don't. Because it's bad writing. It's lazy. And it just keeps happening again and again and again. It is always because of the fans. Bailey, because of the fans. Seth, because of the fans. You know, for me, I'm very excited that Bruce Pritchard is back in WWE right now because I, for one, cannot wait for the day when the title of that week's Conrad and Bruce Pritchard podcast is Something to Wrestle Because of the Fans. What are those meetings like? Do they sit in creative? Okay, we, 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 we need an idea. We're going to have an idea about turning Seth at the meeting today. Whose turn is it to say because of the fans? How does that work? Vince stands up in front of the, the audience in the meeting room, all the desks. Okay, guys, 
We're turning Seth Rollins. We, we need an idea. Everyone mutters about, whisper, whisper, whisper. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Long, awkward pause. And then somewhere from the back, like a voice in the distance, someone says, because of the fans? The room erupts with applause. Everyone shaking their hands, nodding their heads. Yes, yes, that's good. That's good. Yes, because of the fans. And that person who never speaks up, but only to say because of the fans, every time he's probably employee of the month, gets a plaque, says it because of the fans. Do these people not pay attention to their own show? This happens all of the time. Nobody's ever mad about losing very often. Nobody is ever mad because they're not making as much money. Everyone is mad about airtime. And for some stupid reason, being a locker room leader, whatever that means. What does that mean if you're an average fan? And you probably have an idea what that might mean. But this isn't TNA Impact. Or, sorry, just Impact. This is not Impact where you can do a skit about wrestlers court because there's no casual fans watching it. WWE is the last of the casual fans, if there are any. This year had so much hope and promise. Oh, AEW, look at these metrics, look at these signs. Look at Fox, they're paying so much money. When we get to Fox and SmackDown, there's going to be a huge wrestling boom. And the boom has been a bust. It's been a very good year for fans as far as in the ring, creatively. So much wrestling to choose from. That is all positive. We haven't seen a spike in business. Well done, Jim Valley. Good stuff. (laughs) Ah, Really good commentary there from Jim Valley from... Uh, the Wrestling Observer. I enjoy his commentaries. Very well done. Well, I gotta go. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT. And don't forget YouTube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Hit that subscribe button. Check out some of the interviews that you might have missed. And of course, we are doing Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday twice a week. Twice a week. Josh Lopez will join me as we take a look at Chapter 12, I believe, between NXT and AEW. Hope that you have a great holiday, and I'll talk to you later in the week as we take a look at other wrestling storylines as well as AEW and NXT. I'm Jonathan Hood. Tell people that Jonathan Hood's Talking Wrestling Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday, every Tuesday, wherever you download your podcast. And now, here's a little Mid-Atlantic Wrestling Don Ray, Gotta Have Lovin'. This is where this is their theme back in the day. I'm loving it. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>